Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hi, I'm Colin Ellis, and this is On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Today we're talking to documentary filmmaker Allie Weinstein about her new doc, Blessed, which looks at the C3 Global Church, an evangelical congregation that's teeming with millennial followers. If you feel defeated, if you feel downtrodden, if you feel brokenhearted and broken, you can make a decision today to turn on your belief system. I see us moving and, 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 and being this ultimate momentum wheel, this force of kingdom and light where people that once were in darkness now find Jesus. That heavy burden, that heavy laden weight will lift right off your shoulders and you will walk out of here strong. You will walk out of here declaring. You will walk out of here with promise. You will walk out of here believing. You will walk out of here like a man or woman of God, the way you're called to be. Amen. Millennials in church are kind of like pineapple and pizza. They're really not supposed to go together. But C3 has somehow found the secret sauce to make it happen. The documentary follows Sam Picken, the pastor who runs C3's Toronto congregation. And through him, we get an inside view of how the organization uses a message of inclusivity, as well as coffee, concerts, and community to attract young people. But some followers discover that the initial promise of inclusion isn't what it was cracked up to be. You know, it kind of makes me... Um, sad that I still don't um, go to C3. You know, I thought those were people I would do the rest of my life with, and they're not. And so um, I have to be okay with that because God takes us on a journey. And um, they just were not who they said they were. We talked with Allie about the church's global reach, why traditional approaches to religion don't work for some millennials, and the church's future. Stay with us. Well, Allie Weinstein, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So this doc looks at the C3 Church in Toronto. Can you just tell us what that is? It's a evangelical Christian church. Um, it actually started in Australia in the 80s, um, and it's grown over the decades. And they started um, planting, so to speak, new churches in different cities around the world. Um, yeah, in the evangelical movement, they call it church planting. So um, the location here in Toronto, C3 Toronto, it started in 2013 when an Australian pastor, Pastor Sam, and his wife came to Toronto to to start a church here. We're going to talk more about him in a, in a bit, but I want to know where, where your interest kind of uh, comes from in, the, in this topic. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit of an outsider. I'm not religious. In fact, I, I consider myself an atheist. I grew up in a home that was very devoid of religion. But I think I have always been really interested in people who have a lot of religion and conviction in their lives, like the, the sense of purpose that gives to them. I've always been almost a little jealous of that, I would say, just because <laughs> who wouldn't want a sense of greater purpose in their lives? And it's hard to get that sometimes as an atheist. Um but I just, I read about C3 here in Toronto a couple of years ago in the news, and I was pretty blown away by the idea that all of these young millennials and 
uh, Generation Zers were like going to this church, flocking there. It seemed like they were just super successful with this demographic. And I just started to wonder what it was that was bringing young people into church in such droves, because it is a it's a generation that really hasn't been going to church religiously, so to speak. So, so I was just curious about what was there, what they were doing to make it so successful. And I guess you're a millennial as well. I am. I mean, I'm 34, so I'm like towards an elder millennial <laughs> stage, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm 38 and I, I always feel like I'm more of a Gen Xer. But, oh, really? Well, I think you're I, right. I'm on yeah. the border. I'm right you're on the border. You're on the cusp. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, so this, this film and this, uh, this church uh, is really looking at uh, the millennial, millennials and uh, their interest in, I guess, joining C3. And um, they int- use interesting tactics, I guess, to a- attract new followers. Can you talk a bit about some of the ways that they go about appealing to uh, millennials? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a bunch of different things. Like the very first thing that would become apparent to anyone who looks at their Instagram or goes to church for themselves is sort of their branding. Like they have a very polished Instagram that's really beautiful, like with great, great graphic design. There's a lot of creatives who go to the church and and the way that they present themselves is very familiar to millennials. Like I think if you look through their Instagram, you just see these images that seem really youthful and like full of plants in the background and sort of like they just have a very millennial aesthetic and I actually think as superficial as that sounds I think it's quite important because I mean for a young person who is interested in religion who might want to go to church I think it's a bit hard to go running to a church service on Sunday morning if you're going to like um, you know, a service at an old church that just looks nothing like the rest of your life. Um, and I think the space at C3 is something that millennials can feel familiar inside of and also even almost aspire to, like the way they present themselves feels like a really sort of beautiful, youthful life that I think people can look at and be like, I want to be a part of that. It matches my aesthetic with my friends, the music we listen to, the clothes we wear, stuff like that. Um, And then when you go inside the space, you're greeted by A, a lot of people who are incredibly warm and positive and offering you coffee as you go inside. And then you, you get greeted with this huge rock concert, like a huge production on stage, a lot of band members. And it's like this big, loud, energetic um, event. It's quite spectacular. So um, there's a lot there that feels like fresh and youthful and uh, definitely hits that sort of like youth millennial vibe. (laughs) But I think beyond that, also, once you go to a service, um, C3 is like very, very good at getting people to become involved very quickly. So they ask people to come to something that they call next steps afterwards, where you're encouraged to sign up to join a team at C3. And I think once you start to get involved in that way and join a team and like help out with production or on the kids team or the host team or this or that, like you start to feel like you have this built in community and family. And so people yeah, I've heard from many people who go to the church, like the sense of family there is something that is one of the most important things for them at church. And I think that makes sense in our generation because we are a very lonely generation. I think we Mm -hmm. all, yeah, I think we all kind of know that already. Like well before quarantine started, we we lived a lot of our lives on social media anyway and, and feel quite disconnected from physical spaces of community. So I think they do a really good job of sort of like hooking people into that. When you, when you said that, you know, 
a lot of young people might not be so uh, interested in, I guess, going to a church service that starts really early, and, and they do start pretty early, and some some of them even go pretty long uh, in the into the afternoon and sometimes evening. Is is the the C three kind of start at a I guess a decent hour of the day? <laughs> like when when do people kind of start going? Yeah, so they're ma- they have three church campuses they call them um, in Toronto now, but their main one is the West Campus, which is housed in Central Tech High School at, at Bathurst and Harvard in Toronto, and they have three services a day. So the first one's at nine a.m. and then ten thirty and then noon. So yeah, different. I feel like the 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 people who like have young families or whatever. Um, yeah, people with young kids like tend to go to that 9 a.m. service because they're up early anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they go all the way to like the 12 o'clock service ends around 1:30 p.m. or something like that. I, I went to Harvard Collegiate, which is not too far from Central Texas. So why are yeah. they in a high school? Um, I think it's a number of reasons. I think um, I mean they looked for space initially that they could rent every Sunday. And I think schools were an option that's available. Like no one's in school on the weekend. So it was available Mm. to them every single Sunday. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that um, Pastor Sam would say this, but I feel that, and especially, you know, from reading stuff online as well, like I do think there's something there about the unorthodox nature of that space. It's like not what you expect a church to be. And I think that kind of adds to the feeling of like, this is different and new and it's not your parents' church. So <laughs> so I think there's a couple of things going on there. <laughs> I think we're going to call this episode, Not Your Parents' Church. Thank you for that title. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about Sam because yeah, he's the, he's the lead pastor in the, the Toronto church. Uh, just yeah. Yeah, a, a little background on him. Sure. I mean, he's from Australia. Um, he's my age. I think maybe a year older than me or something like that. He he grew up um, an evangelical Christian. Um, but I mean, with evangelical... This is all stuff I learned because I really didn't know much about Christianity at all when I started mm-hmm. working on this. Um, but I think in evangelical Christianity, it's very much about your personal relationship to Jesus. Um, much more so than the ritual or the traditions that are associated with religion. Um, so, so each person has, you know, a born again moment where they decide for themselves as an adult that they're committing their lives to, to Jesus, um, and to this faith. And so I think he describes having that when he was 18 and going to a C3 service. And I think he was initially attracted to C3 because they do a lot of this like rock music and they create their own music and they put out albums like Christian rock albums. So he was attracted to the church through the music and then went to a service and felt really like touched by what he was hearing there. So he decided to devote his life to, to it from there. Um, Hmm. yeah. And, and, uh, C3 moved into Canada. Oh, I'm not sure exactly when, but a bit early, like earlier in the two thousands, it started out in Calgary in the West you know, different cities in the west of Canada. And so I think Sam and his wife, Jess, moved to Calgary to to work at a C3 church there. And then eventually, as C3 Canada was trying to expand even more, um, Sam and Jess came to Toronto because there was no church like it here to, to start up here and see, yeah. See how many Torontonian souls they could save over here. <laughs> <laughs> and has they been, have they been successful? 
They've been super successful. I think now, like in the film, it mentions that there are 1,500 members in Toronto now, just in C3 Toronto. Um, my latest check with C3 is now they have over 2,000 members, even within this last year since like making mm. the film. Um, so it's definitely growing. And I think, I mean, 2,000 people, I don't know, to me, that sounds like a lot for a single church in downtown Toronto, especially when you're considering the fact that it's their demographic is people in their 20s and maybe early 30s primarily. Um, but I also think we have to remember like Toronto is a very progressive city. And so, you know, I think that's quite a coup to get 2000 members in a city like this. Yeah. Well, presentation seems like a very important thing for them. And we talked about the rock concerts and there's a lot of, I guess, emphasis uh, shown in the film on on just the way the, the lights and the sound is going to be we make an emphasis of like having lighting and that could be the thing that makes someone think oh this place cares or, or i saw god in this situation so we we do whatever we can to be like hey this is like this is cool and that's such a hard thing to have as a synonym for church because it hasn't been for a long time to be like oh church is cool and that's just starting to change and um i wonder why that is such a, an important thing for them. I think one of the people in the film, David, he describes it like we church is just starting to become cool again. And people, there is like a stigma with that sometimes he mentions, which is true. I think people can look from the outside and kind of be like, is this all really too superficial? Like, why do you need all of the lights and the, the, you know, just like the band on stage to get smoke people. Machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They used to, <laughs> they used to have a literal smoke machine, but I think they stopped using it for like oh, health okay. reasons. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, I think, I think it makes sense. I think that uh, for young people, just like wanting to be in a space that feels familiar, that feels like something they'd be sort of proud to walk into, like proud to Instagram about and not feel ashamed. I mean, one other person I talked to in the process of making the film, um, she actually doesn't appear in the film, but she grew up a Catholic and she's very devout and she believes very strongly herself. Like it wasn't just something that her parent, you know, obviously she was influenced by her parents, but her parents don't force her to go to church today. But she said that growing up in high school, when she would like be with her friends on the weekend, she would have to like lie and try to tell them, I I have to go to church tomorrow. Like I can't go to this thing you're inviting me to because my parents are making me go to church, even though she mm. actually really wanted to go to church. But it felt like this sort of like shameful, uncool thing. Mm. To So for like religious young people to have a space where they actually feel proud of it and feel like it looks like the rest of their lives aesthetically, then then I think it does offer the sense of like comfort and familiarity. And in terms of, I guess, their, I guess the religious foundation, it's, you, you mentioned it's evangelical and yeah. uh, there, there's a, I guess, a strong connection to Jesus. Is there anything else that kind of separates them from, I guess, uh, evangelical Christianity? I don't think so. I mean, as far as I understand it, um, they're, they're evangelical in every way. They would call themselves Bible believing. Um, they definitely prioritize like prayer and that that individual relationship to God, um, as well as you know evangelizing, like hmm. going out and spreading the word of of God as they see it. So, I think they fit into all the different things we associate with evangelical Christianity. I mean, I think it just sort of looks a bit different than 
what we as Canadians, perhaps, um, maybe I'm generalizing, but I should speak for myself, what I as a Canadian who's grown up and lived in Toronto my whole life, you know, when I think evangelical Christian, I think of like the American South. And so this church kind of just looks a bit different than what I picture. But in terms of their beliefs, I think it's it's all the same. We should talk a bit about um, some of the themes that kind of come up in this film. Mm-hmm. And one of them is about... Uh, just the church's stance on homosexuality. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that, what what their views are on LGBT folks. Yeah, um, that's a really interesting topic. I mean, when I was first looking into the church, I noticed on C3 Toronto's website, they don't really make a statement about that. If you look at C3 Global's website, they do list their values there. And amongst them is the value that they believe marriage is between a man and a woman. So I think they're actually quite clear if you go looking. <laughs> um, and I think at C3 Toronto, in my experience going to many services, that's not something that I ever heard being brought up on stage in front of their congregation. Um, to be honest, like I feel like politics in general, social values, but also just sort of like politics and things happening in the outside world, outside of church, is not something that I personally heard being talked about at church like at all, really. So um, I did talk to various people who go to the church along the way who identify as gay. And one of those people is actually in my film, Amy. I'm, I don't know if she would, I don't think she identifies as gay uh, presently, but when she first started going to the church, um, she, she was in a relationship with another woman. And she describes in the film that as she continued to go to C3, she was eventually sort of encouraged by the leadership there to stop being physical with her girl, like to be physically intimate, as she puts it, with her girlfriend, because it's not what, you know, God wants, what what the Bible says. Um, so I think it is, it becomes clear, perhaps, to people going to C3 the longer they're in it. Um, but I would I would venture to say it's not something that C3 Toronto really like advertises. And I think they probably couldn't. They probably feel like, like they know that Toronto is Toronto. It's a really progressive city and they probably don't want to be ruffling feathers by putting that out there. Do you think that ambiguity is kind of what's helping them grow? I would say so. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to make a judgment on the people who actually attend Um how much that would bother them. I mean, I talked to some people who are fine with that. People who at the church who it, it sort of surprised me um, coming from my own, with my own biases, you know, it surprised me that some of the young people who go to the church are like, yeah, I mean, those values are cool with me. Like, that's what I believe too. I also spoke to some gay people there who either A, like, still didn't really see that as the values the church was espousing or basically said to me, look, like I, you know, I take what I want. Some of the things, like I sort of pick and choose the values that I want to take away from church. And there's stuff there that's bringing me like, you know, fulfilling me spiritually, emotionally. And I don't need to believe every single thing that, that my head pastors believe. Um, So I think there's a variety of responses from within the church itself um, I do imagine that if it were something that they, that was publicized more, there might be a lot of backlash to the point where, yeah, I guess that negative attention maybe would prevent some people from attending. Well, you mentioned Amy earlier. You know, she said something that stuck out for me about the church isn't really willing to deal with the messiness mm-hmm. of, of life, I guess. And, uh, you know, she has a particular uh, story that involves, I guess, drug abuse. 
and uh, she was in a, mm-hmm. a same sex relationship. So I, I, I guess I wonder if you can speak to that, like just what what that means about the church not being able to deal with, I guess, the messiness of life in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's quite complicated. And I think I, you know, I talked to, well, obviously I talked to Amy, she's in the film, but then I also spoke to a couple of people who no longer go to C3 who are not in the film and everyone has their own sort of like personal story. Um, but I think that for some, there's a sense of like, perhaps C3 Toronto has grown really fast and maybe that's part of why they aren't as equipped as those people would like to deal with like the individual hurts of of their own stories or to you know I think some people have like taken issue with some of the things that are said on stage or not said and omitted from stage um as we've sort of discussed already like there's ambiguity around certain things and, um, you know, want to have more head-on discussions about that stuff with church leadership and want a bit more transparency that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to discuss in a way because I really do feel like a lot of the stories I heard were very unique to each person um, in terms of what they would want to be different in their ideal version of church. But I also think that a lot of people I talked to are still very devout Christians. And for some of them, Amy included, she says herself in the film that she doesn't regret going to C3 because it introduced her to her newfound relationship with Jesus. And she's still like heavily on that path. Like she's still an evangelical Christian. She doesn't go to C3 anymore. Hmm. So I think it's just sort of about finding for her, perhaps like the right leadership, the right discipleship as she calls it. Um, to sort of cater to what she would want to see. I think she kind of takes a little bit of issue with um, the lights and the smoke machines and all that kind of stuff and sort of maybe feels there should be more emphasis on other aspects of church, like as she puts it, walking with people, um, volunteering. It's all very subjective, though. The giving of love and uh, helping the needy and being Jesus in the world was kind of equal with making sure that the lights were good, making sure that the pastor looked cool enough, making sure that everyone had the cool outfits on, on the worship team. And those things like the Jesus part should be way, way more important. It's as if God took off the blinders, took the Kool-Aid away from me and was like, I'm just gonna show you what you're a part of and then you can make your decision if you want to make this a lifelong place to be. Well, actually, someone whose experience kind of caught my attention because um, I can sort of relate to him. It's Conan. Mm-hmm. But, by the way, I love the name. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what, you know, yeah. it, it, what, was, what stuck out for me is that he's not really a believer, right? Like he doesn't actually believe or he doesn't know if he believes in God, I guess. Getting what I wanted didn't actually make me happy. I, like I felt unsatisfied. And th- that's when I when I made the conclusion that this world doesn't actually satisfy you. But the thought of a everlasting God, if it was true, did sound satisfactory though. When everyone's worshiping at church, I feel very emotional for sure. But like for me, I'm like, I'm like I can't just say that he exists just because I want him to. Why is that that he he chose to be with this church if he doesn't really believe in God? 
Yeah, no, I found him to be fascinating for that reason as well. And he's so open about it, like not only to me, but to the Pastor Sam, you know, to everyone at church. He's been very vocal about the fact that he doesn't believe in God. And yet when I met him, he had just started going to C3 and he was throwing himself into church, like making it his whole life really um, yeah, joining multiple teams. He joins the worship team, which is the band, um, during the course of the film. And, uh, I think, I mean, Conan's story is like, he grew up in an evangelical home actually. And I think that was actually true of a lot of people that I spoke to through the process of making this film is like, they grew up in a Christian, like a very Christian household in one form or another. So in a sense, they were already kind of like, primed you could say for that kind of relationship with jesus like to 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 be open to these beliefs like i don't know how many people go to c3 who are like true converts from a totally different religion or something like that um so conan was already like very exposed to this belief system Hmm. but at some point along the way in his life i think like a lot of other people um in his teens like early 20s he just started questioning things for himself like asking big philosophical questions for himself and just couldn't understand like wrap his head around the supernatural side of things like the idea yeah of of, um jesus not just being like a real person in history but the son of god um so he lived his life without religion for several years but as he puts it like he just he felt he was missing something i think he missed some of the the values and the sense of community that was that he grew up with at church i would venture to say and then when he found c3 and found that sense of community and found those sort of like you know values that are like quickly shown to people of like there's a lot of warmth and positivity when you walk in church and a lot of sense of like people checking in on you and showing a lot of care and and love honestly so i think when he saw all that it was like well yes this is what i want to be a part of and people at church just kept encouraging him like come just keep coming and eventually you're going to start to believe (laughs) and i don't know i kept checking in with him because even after we stopped filming as we were editing i was sort of like you know conan if you end up getting baptized i i would come and film that include it in the film and so i every time they did a baptism they do baptisms every three months or so Hmm. i would check in with conan and be like are you gonna get baptized next sunday and he'd be like no i'm not there yet So to my knowledge, I don't know if he's like fully, fully gotten there quite yet, but that's interesting. Yeah. I I didn't realize that you had to, to be baptized. You, you had to actually be a true believer. Like I didn't really catch that. Galen's another one who he's not a a member of this church, but he, he's a PhD student who's studying religion. And I wonder why you wanted, why, why you wanted to include his perspective. My thesis is to do qualitative research. So I do interviews and I also do field work at different sites of contemporary spirituality. So this is what brought me to C3. Yeah, well, I think Galen's a really important part of the film for me. Um, I met Galen while I was just researching for the film. Um, we happened upon him. He He's slightly younger than me. He's definitely a millennial. He's been studying um, C3 for his PhD thesis for a couple of years now. And it was just so like, it was like, wow, how did we just happen upon this guy who's already been (laughs) doing all this work and like interviewing people himself? Um, And at first it was just sort of interesting to hear some of the things he learned, hear about some of his experiences. But then at some point along the way, I just started thinking like, it would be very nice to get his outsider perspective and get his sort of 
really nuanced take on what's happening here, um, aside from someone who's actually like fully in it. And I think he has a lot of really valuable things to offer. And I think um, he and I were very much on the same page the whole way through, because I think there's a lot of people who might look at this um, who who don't come to it from a Christian background and might think like, I want to look deep into all these different things about the church that I am suspicious about, you know, and, and really like, yeah, drive those points home and go deep into that. But I think what interested Galen the most, and really that was the same for me, is not so much like, what is their stance on LGBT issues? What is their stance on this or that? but more what is making them so successful. Like this is a huge phenomenon right now that we can't just ignore. We can't just dismiss. We can't just say like, okay, we're going to be cynical and like, you know, tear this place down. We need to like look at what it's doing right and what the young people who are going to C3 are seeking that they're not getting elsewhere in society. So I think he took a really sort of like balanced approach to his work and really respected what was happening there and wanted to look at it um, without judgment. And Mm -hmm. that really, that was really inspirational for me too. That was sort of my goal going into it, but it is hard. It's a hard line to walk and talking to Galen throughout the process was really helpful for me (laughs) to kind of like also keep that sort of as non-judge, sorry, non-judgmental as possible kind of take on the situation and just sort of like look at it, present it to people to sort of take what they will from it. Do you think another part of that appeal is the celebrities that are openly embracing mm-hmm. their faith? I, I noticed the Justin Bieber. I think he's part of another yeah. church, but uh, he's you know he's a pretty open Christian, and so is Kanye West, and yeah. I think Chris Pratt as well. Like there seems to be a lot of celebrities. They're not hiding it, and no, they're actually yeah. embracing it in a way. I wonder if that's that's sort of what's attracting some millennials to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, you're right. Um, Justin Bieber and a bunch of those other celebrities go to a church called Hillsong, which is very, very similar to C3 in terms of their beliefs and their values and how they present themselves. And um, C3 itself, I don't, I I never really found out any like really big name celebrities that went to C3, but I'm sure there's a few. I heard Mm -hmm. an NBA player here in Toronto attended a couple services, but um, Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it kind of goes hand in hand with like the whole Instagram appeal. It's like when church has been so uncool for so long, um, to sort of see this space that's being embraced by these people that you look up to who you think of as cool. Um, yeah, of course, of course it gives it some validity and it makes you unafraid, uh, to, to go yourself. We have to kind of finish up our conversation here, but one thing I want to ask you is just about the number of people who identify as Christian in Canada. It seems to be declining. And you you mentioned that C3 has 2,000 members, which isn't a lot in Canada, but I I wonder if you think that they're starting to reverse the trend or if they're trying to reverse the trend. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have have big goals. They want to spread this message across Canada. I mean, they they definitely want to keep on planting more and more churches. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think they would love to see more and more people um, come to the church. And I mean, I think for them, like they also, they would say like they're not focused just on young people, but I don't know if it's just the leadership at church who happen to be millennials themselves. And so that whole culture is very like inherent in, in their own sort of vibe. <laughs> but but they're definitely, yeah, I think they're definitely um, hoping to bring a lot more people into the faith for sure. 
Do you know how more other more established churches in Canada feel about them? That's a good question. And to be honest with you, I don't really know. I think that, yeah, I would imagine it really depends on sort of the type of church you're talking about. Because I think there was a lot to learn for me about Christianity because I really didn't grow up where <laughs> obviously it's got a very, very rich history. So I think they're all like all the different types of Christianity, like have their own kind of stance on things. And I mean, for me, like when I first went to C3, I was kind of like, okay, cool. I get this. I see the appeal. But as someone who did not growing, go, grow up going to church or synagogue, I mean, I'm half Jewish. Um, for me, when I go into a synagogue or I go into like a, you know, an Easter midnight mass, my mom's family is Greek Orthodox. Um, I love the tradition. I love the like, you know, hearing things in other languages and the songs that get sung at, you know, different times of year and the tradition and the ritual and thinking about how people have said those exact same things for thousands of years. Like that's part of the beauty of it for me. So I don't, I can't speak for another church, but I feel like there might be other churches out there that are like, you're just taking this away from, (laughs) from the tradition a little too far. I'm not sure. Well, you, I think that's a good place to leave it. And uh, Ali, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And that's the podcast. Wes is streaming at the Hot Docs online festival until June 14th, and you can catch it on CBC July 18th. If you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and better yet, tell a friend. If you want more on Docs content, you can find episodes on our website at tvo.org, featuring interviews with Ai Weiwei, Astra Taylor, and much more. This podcast was produced by Matthew Amara and me. Our production support coordinators are Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell. Our series producer is Katie O'Connor, and our executive producer for digital is Kathy Vay. We'll catch you at the next screening.